I love movies. Gosh, I love movies. Here we go. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast with Dave and Matt. And welcome back, Matt. You have survived the the Rona or the Nublotic. Yes. (laughs) The bubbly guts, whatever you had. I call it the pandemic because it's all a sham, a hoax. It's a bunch of... I saw this video, man, and it blew my mind. This doctor, she got like arrested because she found out that vaccines cause AIDS in the 80s, and they were spreading it, so they arrested her and put her in jail. But now the truth can be told, and she's made this video. You got to see this thing if you haven't seen it, man. It'll blow your mind. Oh, well, so I saw a video on the YouTubes as well, and this lady was – there was these two nurses, and they were like uh, dancing, you know? And and then they were like uh, checking butts, you know. Should look into it. Yes, that's true. We if you're watching our show on YouTube right now, <laughs> we pro- probably have some much more useful pandemic information playing behind us than any of that pandemic video shit. You're gonna be you're probably getting spammed with by your redneck family and stuff all week saying, "Man, you gotta watch this, man. It's gonna it's gonna wake you up. You know, open your eyes, man." Here, I mean, here's the most. Here's the how, most. How many people have sent it to you? How many have you gotten? Uh, I. I mean, not, I. Not a lot of people have sent it to me, but I've yeah. seen it <laughs> on my Facebook timeline a bunch. And yeah. the problem, the biggest issue I ha- well, there's two issues. The biggest issue I have is that it's largely incredible bullshit. That's number one. And yes, absolutely. Inspires people to be very dangerous. But number two, you could tell that the whole thing was created out of a dad joke. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, someone was sitting around, they were like, like him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking stoners on 4chan. They're like, yeah, they're like, they're like, ah, oh, you know what rhymes with pandemic? Plandemic. I was waiting. Here's what I'm. You know what I'm mostly disappointed by? What's that? that someone didn't think to tie in. Flan and call it Flandemic. Oh, you know? it's yes, like, yes. But way better than Plandemic because I love Flan. And well, now that I, there is very possible that that joke, there's a lot of coronavirus jokes, COVID 19 jokes from other cultures that we don't get here in America. That's you know, true. Uh, before it became so serious, uh, my friend told me that he's uh, from Mexico City and he said a lot of. Uh, popular memes in mexico were coronavirus and it would show an old drunk guy with bottles of corona oh yeah i mean when uh when it first broke out before everything totally shut down jude and i were in atlanta and i got a photo of him holding coronas and uh for that very joke it's all funny games back then jude is also a dad so that's an appropriate joke there you go it was very appropriate and um and unfortunately, someone took what should otherwise have been a dad joke and made a very <laughs> dangerous video that a lot of people are yes. not only falling for, but exhausting me by endlessly texting me in spite of people me like them. people like our dads and probably your dad, too. If you're about our age and listening to this, my dad is definitely not not your dad's you know, a little dad's, wiser to this. My dad's thing. a big science guy. He, he likes uh, truth. 
So, that's good. Unfortunately, that's good. I can't say that for everybody. My so. my dad is a great guy, and I have a blast hanging out with him. But but when it comes to this kind of stuff, he tends to like uh, what he already thinks is true. Uh, he well, he think, prefers that kind of news. Well, you know I think what that's I mean? uh, that's I think that's what you know. I don't want to go too far down this pandemic because we're not doing this show on pandemic. Um, no, but no, it's worth addressing. No. Yeah, it's worth please addressing. don't tune out right now if you think that's yeah. what's happening. Because we're, <laughs> no, we're mostly just inspired by the Asian nurses that were behind us on the YouTube video. Uh, but but yeah, I think that's largely what sort of spawns this, right? Is that these pe- that people believe what is convenient for them and for what they've already decided they believe in, and yeah. and sp- any facts that refute it, be damned. They're all conjured up by the lamestream media and big farm and george soros and such and the such, devil et cetera, et cetera. and the De- devil let's, let's admit it let's admit it i mean because it's all it, it really is they don't like to go to the logical conclusion but like for a uh conspiracy on this scale to actually work and play out you kind of need some supernatural ceo well yes they're don't very you? good these ceos are very good at like orchestrating millions of people without a single flaw except for these one or two freedom fighters who make well, it no, I, I'm, I'm talking about the the chief evil officer the, <laughs> the ceo from below that's what i'm talking about i'm saying like that's great dude in order dude. in order for this to work like because otherwise what do, what do you have you have like nurses and uh you Doctors. know d- d- uh, p- epidemiologists i mean people who don't well, I'm saying, well, doctors, sure, but like most of these people don't make a lot of money. So, like, why would they be in on the conspiracy? Oh, because they're demon possessed. I mean, that's the uh, only way that this works. You can't otherwise. Think, but they they don't like to go to that part where they admit that, like, well, yeah, oh yeah, everybody, this is the devil causing it all. You right. know, they, they'd rather say Bill Gates or something. But listen, in the end, I mean, you, you need a devil for this to work. Don't you think that someone is missing out on making that their wrestling gimmick? The you know, CEO the, from down below. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The chief evil officer, like like the well, Undertaker Kane, wearing a suit and tie, you know? I mean, I think uh, so you're you're talking Kane's territory, man. Didn't he? I guess. You know, yeah, I guess. He, yeah, he, he became a uh, corporate. Off. Well, because he was, he was Kane and he had the Kane, the wrestler. He had the red mask. He was like some kind yeah, of evil yeah. demon guy. And then he became corporate Kane where he wore a, a dashing pair of suspenders and like slicked oh, his yes. hair back. Uh, kind of like, um, as a buzz cut. Uh, yes. Same, same. That wasn't a buzz cut. Yeah. Cause remember had, when I he was he had a little, little moose. Nah, when he, I when he, he was the monster Kane, he had like that weird, like shaved in mullet. Do you remember that? Like, uh, like they the mask, shaved a, they yeah. shaved a, like, like a Hulk Hogan haircut into him. And then, uh. and then shortly thereafter, he buzzed it all off, but he had to razor the front part to look like he was balding. When in fact, he's got a full head of hair. It's That's commitment. amazing. That's it's like Hulk, Hulk Hogan was such a popular dynamic wrestler that that bald top with the long hair go crown. Thing. That is, yeah, the ape drape with the little chrome dome mix combo. That became so popular that other wrestlers with full heads of hair began to emulate that. That's right. incredible Intentionally balding. Yes. I, I I don't think I, for me, I don't know. I, I do consider that if, I, if the rest of it ever goes. I've got kind of like a uh, uh, Will Arnett 
pattern now. Okay, that, yeah. And, and so I do kind of figure if the rest of it ever goes, do do I grow out like, the crown? Like, like you Jude know, Law. Do I have the... Huh? Yeah, Jude Law. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a, thank you for that. That's a dashing-looking yeah. male pattern. Phil Collins, yes. I, feel, feel, I kind of feel like he was born that way, man. He, he Maybe. I don't think he's ever had anything. No, but here's what that. I think. If, 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 uh, if down the line... Some more of it goes. I just think you, you got to go like old school, man. You got to go like Allen Ginsberg. You just got to grow yes. the beard bigger and the hair, what you got left, longer. Yes. it. Uh, there, so there will be just a big bushy head of hair, but, but some parts will be left out. That The bangs, the, the, the bits that used to be there will be missing. Some would say maybe the most important bits. Kind of like happens, you know, sometimes when a... A book gets adapted to film, or oh, yes. like a, a comic book, or an anime becomes a movie, and they leave out some of the most important parts. Often, this and case is what it drives us a, a little segue. crazy. And this is this is this is is I think this is is this what our show is about today? I, yes, I, you kind so, of gave me a briefing, and I so I'm trying to. What's your idea? I, well, I, yeah, I didn't know if we were doing it. We're doing it. We're doing yeah, it. We're folks. doing it. We're doing it live tonight on the Grindhouse. It's when adaptations leave out your favorite part. Yes. And I know I know that we promised that we would do the episode that ran afoul Skynet. But there's a lot of questions from you guys today. And so maybe we'll get to that topic another day. But today, yeah. we're going to... Matt, you had a great idea. You were missing in action last week with the bubbly gut Rona plague. And... Uh, <laughs> We figured it would be a good idea to talk about some other really important pieces that are missing from a total, uh, you know, total work, uh, uh, an adaptation that gets translated from either comic books or from books into the typically from the, 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 you know, the big screen or the silver screen. And why they uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about why the filmmakers opted to uh, ignore and, and cut these pivotal characters out or try to make sense of it heads or tails people are confused during these times and i don't want to if if people are getting their information from the internet from youtube then hell why don't we put out a youtube video to educate people as well i'm dr oscuro this is dr laser hands (laughs) and we're here to tell you about missing characters from film adaptations well dave why don't you start us off i'm sure Yes, I think you should hit hit them hit them with a really cool little bow, you know something. Yeah. Oh yeah, like a, like a slide guitar. Like, bow, 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 bow. Missing in action. I like it. Okay. Uh, uh, or what, maybe what, I'll just leave I, that part. Just acapella. Yeah, man. All right. Like a little well, bum, bum, bum. Oh, little jazz, little scat. Yeah. Little scatting. Bow, 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 bow. Yeah. Okay. So my first one. Uh, we talk about Shutter a lot, but you know what? Hold on, let me pause for a second because I mentioned big screen. And if you're watching on the YouTube, you'll notice that we're in a celestial heaven, and there is in fact a big screen behind us and a small screen, for that matter. And we want to just take a moment to thank Big Screen, the VR app that we have yes. appropriated for our own selfish needs. We want to preempt for- our gratitude to them before they even. They haven't even found out we're doing this. Right. So maybe they'll give us a sponsorship. <laughs> maybe we should, be sponsored maybe by we should stop being shy and actually tell them we're using their software. I'm going to uh, tag them. Cause Listen, big free screen. beta software. We are an international acclaimed 
highly <laughs> listened to podcast. And you should sponsor us by giving us swag. And whenever this becomes a paid app, free membership. And I will wave my stick until this occurs. Yes. But and we'll make cool Grindhouse t-shirts for your avatars to, we would do to wear. That. Hell yeah. yeah. That's perfect. So with that aside, shameless plugging aside of our advertisers, uh, my first entry into this sort of missing in action topic is one of the most infamous one. We talk about Shudder all the time and how cool of a, a series that is. And they have a, a film series that talks about uh, uh, cursed films, right? Films yes. that have a curse against them. And one of their most popular episodes is, of course, The Crow, in which, tragically, the son of Bruce Lee, Brandon Lee, was killed during uh, what essentially boiled down to mismanagement of firearms. Yeah. And I think it's fitting that we open the conversation with talking about bunk conspiracy theories on the YouTube. This series gives a little bit of lip service to the conspiracy, but ultimately, I think... They had some really, uh, you know, they had crew members and people who were there and ballistic experts who kind of explained what actually happened. So you don't watch a YouTube video and think that maybe a Bruce Lee family demon curse is what killed Brandon Lee. But in fact, it was negligence on a, on a film set that was cutting corners. But I bring up The Crow not to talk about conspiracy surrounding it, but more about a very um, obvious omission in the film that's in the comic book, if you're familiar with it, and that is the Skull Cowboy. Are you familiar with the Skull Cowboy, Matt? I am not. You, you said that term to me last night, and I've been trying to just think what it could be like all day. That sounds so cool, but it uh, is I've only seen cool. the crow of the films, so I, I don't know. Well, do you know who Michael Berryman is? Is he a character from the crow, or is he one no, of he's the cast? He's, he's the actor who was who most famously on um, The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, and he he has like uh, no hair, fingernails. Is it, yeah, is it that guy? Like Conehead thing. Going? Yeah, he's that's a condition he's got. It's um, it's amazing. Yeah, he 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 doesn't really have much in the teeth department either. Hair, fingernails, oh, okay. teeth. It's a it's a condition. Certain people get this thing. I I don't remember what it's called, but he's really made it work by uh, getting into the. I mean, not not to say. I mean, he's made it work for him. I'm not saying like if you're an actor with that condition. A horror, it's it is. Go go audition for a horror movie, but but he's made it work. He's a, he's a spooky right. looking guy. Yeah. yeah, he 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 turned a silver line, much like Danny Trejo. He turned his looks that are very distinguishable into a pretty nice career for himself. Well, he was hired. He was cast as the Skull Cowboy, which in the comics acts as sort of a, a guide, you know, sort of a liaison from the the spirit world to the Eric Draven character. And um, his role is noticeably absent throughout the entire film. The reason behind that was because, unfortunately, Brandon Lee died and they hadn't finished those scenes. Oh, you know, wow. They yeah. were able to use a double. Uh, Brandon Lee's brother or was it, no, was his brother is a stunt. I guess it was a stunt double. Uh, Brandon Lee's stunt double. They made a mask of, of Brandon Lee and the stunt double wore it for a lot of the shots. And then they used some like cutting edge like cgi and uh you know creative editing and various other techniques to sort of fill in a lot of the gaps you know a lot of the characters and shadows and etc but 
most of the scenes with the Skull Cowboy were meant to be shot in the last week of production. And unfortunately, he was dead and you couldn't you couldn't uh, you couldn't fix those scenes. You couldn't you couldn't doctor them. Right. You couldn't, no yeah. amount of movie magic would have made them look right. So they had to scrap the entire character and cut and kind of recut the film around his presence, which obviously still works because it's an amazing film. But, um, you know, those people who are familiar with the, with the comic, uh, you know, were like have often asked the question where the Skull Cowboy was. And I'd always heard it had been cut, but never really known why specifically he'd been cut until I watched this documentary of Cursed Films on Shudder. Man, that well, – and so does he – is he just a skeleton in a cowboy outfit? Is that the kind of uh... – Basically, yeah. And it looked – they showed some stills like – because, you know, he'd done – he I think he'd maybe done one scene – like they brought him in for like a scene or two early in production, and then he was supposed to come back, which was kind of a weird thing to do. But like, there were test photos of him in the getup. It looked fucking sick. It kind Dude. of looked more. I mean, like you gotta think of his bone structure, right? Yeah. It it, it gave it a very. It, it would have made the film feel far more horror movie than I think it does currently, right? Whereas now it kind of feels like a gothic drama. I think at the inclusion of this very tall, very creepy. Skull cowboy. I mean, there's no way to describe it. Like a skeleton in a cowboy outfit, um, with with his performance. You know, this eerie sort of person who's tracking Eric Draven and letting him know, like, the end is nigh, man. Like, this is this run will end badly for all. Um, would have given would have given the film a completely different feel. Um, and obviously, again, it, it does work as is, but it would have been cool to see that version and. I'm not a huge fan of reboots, and, and I've often gone back and forth as to whether or not The Crow was one of those films that should just be um, omitted from the constant reboots that Hollywood does. But but because by by the nature of the situation, it was forced to cut a pretty pivotal character, I, I wouldn't mind seeing another version that was a little truer to the comic, you know? Like, if you're going to yeah. do a reboot... Um, and there's already a really successful movie out there, but maybe deviated from the source material. I feel like that's not so bad because, you know, for people who really love the source material and didn't feel like they got it on screen, no matter how good the film might have been, I think it is. Uh, it at least gives a, a, a legitimate reason as to why to, to reboot something. Absolutely, yeah. If you're, I mean, if it's already something based on a, a something like a comic book or, or, or that's hard to adapt a film in the first place. It's not even so much like a reboot as just reinterpreting the source material and doing it again. Yeah, I, I'm totally fine with that kind of thing. It's, it's. I think it's just more like uh, the the films of the '80s that just were you know meant for that time. Uh, you know yeah, right. that just make sense in that sense. You know, like they they took a Heather's a uh, couple of years ago and like made it like a TV series or something or a TV really? movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I don't bad. even remember that. It was weird. It, I mean, it was like, it was very progressive, you know, which was cool because Heather's is not as much of a woke film uh, by today's standards. Sure. But uh, uh, it was terrible also. So, you know, well, you uh, know listen, don't, the- don't do that. Don't just take a movie and be like, this idea, I'm just going to use this idea again. But like, yeah, if something's someone if you, if you think someone they had to leave some source material out, someone adapted something, yeah, give it a try. By the way, I just... Uh, I hate to keep rambling, but dude, 
remember how many people were the crow for Halloween like over the years? Oh. I know you did it. I I did it. No, I've actually I don't I don't know if I've ever gone as the crow for Halloween. I thought I I thought we all went out one night and you were like the crow that, or something. That's actually just how I normally dress. Just like that was like Tuesday. But yeah. think how many people were would have uh, been the skeleton cowboy or skull skull, oh, skull cowboy? Yeah, skull yeah cowboy, that would have been man. a popular cool. one, man. So yeah, yeah they, they were talking about happen. they were talking about remaking with Jason Momoa a few years back, but then I don't know what happened, fell apart. Yeah. I guess might as well wait till you get it right. Well. I have a Jason Momoa project that I'm no. going to segue into that. Um, I think I know which one you're going to go with, but go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's it's I mean, it's like the number one source for things that were different from the book, you know, and oh we've, we've done show. Yeah, we've done shows about it because uh, like it's four shows about it. We did. A, we did like a series about it. But, I couldn't uh, let it go. That's on me. But there, there's like one four weeks in a row. I was like, I know in the was on of. Yeah. <laughs> But there, there's one character. He's very minor, but I just I freaking loved him, man. And uh, it's okay, uh, yeah. But there's there's no space for him in the show, I guess. Uh, he was an unusual character, but uh, his name was Strong Bellwurst, and he was this uh, pit fighter. You should let people know what show this is from. Oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't say that. Yeah, Game of Thrones had uh, they did a great job of the series. You know, we all liked it, but there was this there was this one character, very minor character that was. Um, but he but he's in there for a while. He was one of Daenerys' uh, traveling companions, and his name was Strong Bellwurst, and he was this uh, this large, fat pit fighter guy that wore this like tiny chainmail vest that was barely armor. You know, kind of yeah, like right. a. Kind of like a, a female character's outfit in a fantasy video game, like that that kind of armor coverage, you know. Just the arch, the um, arches back a lot. I don't. He, that isn't mentioned in the book, but I'm guessing. I, but he was a very what fat man. I mean, just big, big, strong, fat man, and, and he loved to eat, and he was very funny. And um, it's I think what it is that, is that we missed out on is uh, there's that scene in the book or the scene the scene in the show you guys remember the show when they're they're outside of the gates of uh it's been a while but like the slave city and yeah, uh you've uh-huh. got you've got all it's one of the slave cities not the first one it's not where she gets her army but it's when when she's on her conquest right and and you've got the the, the they're outside and they can't basically they can't get to the gates because uh there's archers and um the city sends their champion out right and he's like this guy on a horse and he's really cocky and in the show, uh, who, who's the name of the guy, the real dashing guy that Daenerys is like, oh, kind of has a crush on? But uh, um, man, I it's guy's, guy's been a while. Like, I know we're not like 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 we got super that into guy? that show, and then we just haven't like, even thought of anything Game of Thrones guy, in like a year now. Just disappeared but, too, because like they, they yeah. introduced him, and he was like a really cool. I mean, he didn't look like the like the description in the book, but like no, they, they, they first cast they, like, they, made, super, they made him look. Real rogue, like yeah, you know, rustic rogue guy. Well, like no, in the no, book, I think he has a purple casting, beard or something. The first casting was like a really pretty boy, like right, he looked right. like he was a yeah. romance novel model, and then they replaced him with a guy who had that more rustic look, had the beard, kind of yes. looked like a like the, like the hot dad in the neighborhood, you know, at the PTA meeting. Yeah, I think I know that dad. So, in this scene, it's the scene where. That he throws the knife and it hits the horse in the head and the guy falls and dies. Yeah, right. Remember there's the champion. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's being all cocky and he comes and he's like, gonna. He's got his sword raised and he's riding on his horse and he's gonna hit him and then a knife hits the 
horse in the head and falls over and then the guy kills the other guy right and so that was that was pretty cool it was a pretty cool scene i'll give you that but in the book giant jubbly you know happy strong bellwurst with the the tiny voice man the big big pit fighter guy that is just uh he's kind of like if you've ever seen um uh dragon ball z they had that character boo and yeah, uh, and and when Little they best. first meet him, he's he's Majin Buu, and he's like big fat, and he's like all hey, hey, and like kind of silly, like that's what this guy is. He's like George R. R. Martin basically stole that and put it in his book, and um, so he goes up. Uh, so the the champion's on the horse, right? And he's like, you know, send someone to fight me if you got the guts, Daenerys, whatever. And uh, so Strong Bellwurst comes, you know, walking up, all big and fat and silly looking. And the dude's like, oh, easy, easy target, you know? So he goes galloping on his horse, and he's got his sword raised, and he takes a swing, and Bellwurst feigns back, but it's, it's not fast enough. And the sword goes, like, right across his, his big giant stomach and dra- puts a, draws a line right across, you know, and he, now he's bleeding down his stomach, you know? But he's okay, but he's bloody, okay. right? Just a flesh wound. So, yes, a flesh wound. So the guy's like, oh, I've already hit him once, man. This is going to be easy, you know? So he, he turns the horse around. He comes back full speed. And at the same thing, swings the knife or swings the sword. Bellwurst goes back. But this time, Bellwurst with the little curved sword right across the horse's legs, man. Knocks the whole rider off. And the horse goes down. Rider falls off. Bellwurst goes, takes his hat off, right? It's awesome, man. And so then he comes back. And this is why it's like, oh, this dude's rules, man. Because it's like he, he comes back, right? And he's like eating these figs. And uh, Daenerys, you know, she's, she's a little concerned because she lost her husband to a similar flesh wound. You mm-hmm. know, remember that whole mess, right? And uh, she comes up to him and she's like, hey, you know, you need to get that dressed. And that's when he like kind of leans back and puts some light on it and wipes some of the blood away. And you can see there's like, a hundred of these kind of scars all across his stomach and he's Mm. like i always give him one and it's just like that's so freaking cool man that's pretty awesome (laughs) you know so like that was one of the things that uh, i was just like man i'm not gonna get that scene like he's not here he'll never be here and he never came they could have given it to the other guy i mean uh, might not have had quite the same effect but you know yeah I don't know, man. Just like a big bald Indian looking dude with like a tiny little like vest on that's just all badass. Like that's super cool, man. That's I, I'm you shocked you didn't go with uh, Lady Stoneheart. I wasn't a big fan of Lady Stoneheart actually. She's just kind of creepy and mean. Yeah, I, you know me. I, I I like the big fat guy that that eats the figs and has fun when he fights. You know, I'm not so all much right. with the like hang everybody, even the children. I'm Lady Stoneheart. I guess that makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right. Well, for my next entry, um, it's not so much a character. Well, it, it is a character that's totally omitted, and it's omitted because they basically tamed, took the name of this book and um, made a movie that has nothing to do with it, and that is Max Brooks from World War Z. Did you ever read the mm. book? I don't. I've not played the video game, seen the film, or read the book of There's World a video War game? Z. I didn't even know that. It looks pretty um, good. The book is awesome. So the book takes place. So uh, this fictional writer, I, I don't know if it's named after the main writer or not, but like he did a, a zombie survival guide that was very popular, right? Yeah. And um, he followed it up with World War Z, 
And in World War Z, it's been 20 years since this zombie apocalypse occurred. And uh, humanity has won, not without some, uh, obviously, some, some casualties and, and changing of the way of life. And this, uh, this uh, Max Brooks is a journalist, and the entire book is composed of him interviewing different people and getting their recanting of different periods within the zombie invasion, right? Some of it's like the night that broke. Some of it's like, you know, a year later, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like it's this collection of personal stories of people who survived this really terrible epidemic that broke out across the world. And it just has a completely different flavor to it when you consider it from that perspective, right? That these are the stories of people who went through this very traumatic event. Whereas the movie does away with, they don't even bother to, to take the character's name. They created a new character, Jerry, which is Brad Pitt in scarfs running around typical, like disaster film. You know, the, the moment the plague breaks out, he's got to go find the cure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, I guess, entertaining enough for a popcorn film, but man, I just felt like they told, like they could have made a really poignant movie especially when you think about the world we're living in today, right? Oh, yeah. I'm talking about pandemic. I'm talking about real-life people who are going through this. And could you imagine if a movie took this real-life event and they interviewed people from China, people from South Korea, people from America, people from Italy, and really got a sense of like what it was like to go through this pandemic, right? And not just like right now when we're in the midst of it, like – in a year from now, when life has changed, or five years from now, when life's getting back to normal, whatever it may be, and that's kind of what this book did, but with zombies as the um, the the device that opened to, you know this world up, and the movie did away with not just Max Brooks, but the entirety of that premise. Huh? Yeah, that sounds like a real short-sighted. What do you, why would why do you think they would do that? Why would they just leave out this really cool thing and narrative device that obviously anyone who read the book would be seeing the film to to get that experience? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess if you think about it, like they just wanted to make a big blockbuster, and a guy going around and interviewing people doesn't necessarily lend itself to that. But um and, you, and maybe they're right. Maybe you don't get that big summer blockbuster from that device. But you know what you could have gotten? Life of Gale. Have you ever seen that movie? I have not. It's Kevin Spacey and um, Kate Winslet. And it's about a, a UT professor who is charged with sexual assault. Um, no, he's not charged. He's, he's, uh, he's uh, uh, accused of it. And he loses like his position at the university, what have you. And... Um, the whole movie takes place around him on death row days from his execution. And he calls a reporter played by Kate Winslet to tell her his story. And while he's telling her his story, she's also like investigating it. And it turns out that there's more to this story than you think that he's been accused of murdering one of his, um, his colleagues, but there's just more to it than that. And it's a really engaging film and it really shines a spotlight on, the death penalty, right? And gives you a perspective on whether or not the death penalty is a good thing or not. And it used the device of interviews as a way to tell that story. You could also look at like silence of the lambs 
which is yeah. largely Clarice and Hannibal talking. So I thought it could have worked, but it was, it's a totally different movie if you do that, right? It's really more of a drama, maybe a little bit of a thriller, maybe even a horror film to some degree. But it's not a big summer blockbuster where Brad Pitt runs and his hair is immaculate. Right. And uh, you have lots of CGI and explosions. Like, it wouldn't have been that film. So I guess that's what they tried to make. I mean, the, I think the the, the success uh, for a while, at least, of The Walking Dead, all the spinoffs, show, you know, we, we see that, like, Zombie is a drama vehicle now, so they, I think they should have done that. I, I, I just, I, agree. I mean, I haven't seen World War Z. Maybe it's good, but I just, I didn't have much interest in it. So uh, I mean, it's exactly what know. you're expecting. Yeah, the ending uh, is like lame. You know. So. Well, my my next one um, is, is probably the. Uh, it's going to be the origin story of Big Daddy. Uh, oh, okay. Big Daddy right. is uh, Nicholas Cage's character from Kick-Ass. And we love Remember Nick that? Cage. We... Yeah. You, you've seen Kick-Ass, right? Of course, yes. Yeah, that's a great film. And it's based on a comic book, and uh, it's it's a fun comic book. But, man, there was something that they that they just left out that was, that makes the character... Because Big Daddy, he's like kind of like this generic Batman. He's like a dollar store. Not dollar store, but, he, but he's like a cheaper Batman. You, you know, he's you know not, what he is? Do you remember uh, The Dark Knight? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you remember the very beginning of The Dark Knight when uh, uh, Scarecrow is trying to do a drug deal with like uh, some Russians with dogs, and then these dudes show up, and he's like, "That's not Batman." And then like the real Batman shows up, and and then these dudes, it's revealed these are just like some vigilante guys like dressing up like Batman with like you know fucking umpire pads and shit. And he's like, "What makes you different than us?" And Batman's like, "I'm not wearing hockey pads." Well, you know, you're not too far off because, like, that's Big Daddy. That, yeah, well, yeah, but but not in the movie. That's what I'm saying. In the movie, he's like, a, he was a cop and his wife was killed and he had right, to get yeah. revenge. So he trained and he saved up all his money or something. I don't know where he gets his money, but he and he buys weapons and he and he trains his daughter because he's sick of that crime, you know. And it's like a it's a it's a typical origin story from like a comic book. It sounds very yeah, right. generic, but it, but which is cool because it's like a tribute to that kind of comics. But, but it what they comes leave out as generic. Well, yes, but it's supposed to because that's the thing. They, what they leave out is that the, the, in the comic book, it's even more of a tribute. It goes even, it goes even deeper, you see, because like his origin story of like being an ex-cop and you know ah tired of the crime, and then they took my wife, and I had to get revenge. All that stuff that would come from like a comic book of the fifties or sixties. Um, it's it's all made up in the in the comic book, and it, like it's really cool. It's like what what we find out. Is that Big Daddy, his origin story. Yeah, his wife died, but I think she died of like natural causes or something. And like okay. in the end, his origin story is that he was the ultimate comic book fan that just like your guys from Dark Knight that wanted to be like Batman. That's what he wanted to be. So he oh, started training and like saving and he has the, a lot of money to buy because they have I mean he has like some some fancy weapons like him and his yeah, daughter right. in, the, in the book and in the movie and, and but the way he pays for them is he sells off these very rare comic books that he's been collecting his whole life he's like the ultimate comic book nerd that goes so far into it that he becomes a sort of a like a like which is the whole theme of kick-ass is all these like nerdy people posers. wanting to wanting to do more well not posers i mean yeah but like i mean heroes well i don't know i mean they Fan don't boys. have powers but they want you know they Marks. want to do something vigilantes i guess but 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 
vigilantes because of not because of uh you know they got to do something about crime but because they they have a a, 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 a draw they're drawn toward these comic books and they, i mean it's both really but like what yeah what you you eventually find out what you eventually find out if if you follow the comic book to the end is that big when big daddy dies he's the his like special suitcase that he'd been carrying the whole story that you never got to see was full of like superman number 1 batman number you know very expensive books and he had them all and he was selling them to fund his vigilante batman fantasy which is just so much cooler than just making him a generic uh right. ex cop hero but which which is his origin story that he tells people in the comics but in the in the movie they made that his actual origin story do i don't know remember? i just think they really missed out on an opportunity to just like really give everybody a nice twist and like something that would just really make us appreciate the the what the movie was trying to what the what kickass tries to do of that yeah. like there's a comic book hero in all of us kind of thing you know do you it's remember great. do you remember the scene i don't do they acknowledge that comic books exist? Like Batman exists in the world of Kickass? I I I don't remember if they do or not. They probably do. I, I would assume so. Because, it's been a while though. You know the end. The end scene right as Big Daddy dies is him instructing um, Hit Girl to do this move, uh, which yeah. it's it's a little hard to make out because he's screaming the whole time and he's being Nick Cage. But what yeah. he's telling her to do is a scene from a comic book. I've, it's like a scene that Robin does in a comic book and he's that's what he's instructing her like that's how how he's instructing her like use this thing that was done in whatever Robin doing XYZ yeah. and See, so like that, that, that doesn't ties make sense. so much tighter yeah that doesn't make sense if an ex-cop is just like oh by the way I happen to be telling you some scene from Batman but like yeah that's awesome man that I don't know why they left that out that Oh, it bothers me. <laughs> wow. that, that one really stuck with me, man. Yeah, you know all of Mark Miller's adaptations. I feel like, 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 uh, remember Wanted? I uh, didn't see. I don't think I saw Wanted. That was with the curved bullets. Remember? It came out. Oh, before I remember the trailer that was like curve the bullet. That or, was yeah. It's like the one thing they took from the comic book because the comic book is based off like the lead character is based off of Eminem. He looks like Eminem. And oh, okay. I think the female character that uh, Halle Berry, no, sorry, that Angelina Jolie plays is based on Halle Berry. And it's a far more cynical story when you read it in the comic book. Like, they're supervillains. He's the son of a supervillain. And okay, uh, right. they change it to, like, this ancient order of assassins. And it's like the only thing they really took from the comic was the curving of the bullets, which is, just ended up being really lame. But, like, <laughs> Kick-Ass was, like, a little bit better than that. But, like they kind of left some of the special sauce that makes a Mark Miller comic, a Mark Miller comic when they adapt these kind of sanitize them a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, like what else you got? Gentlemen, you got? These got gentlemen are, if you're watching the YouTube channel these <laughs> behind us are, are they're, they're grooving, man. They're getting there. Grooving and indeed. looking great. Looking good. I mean, that's how they stay lean during, well, most for the most part. During uh, this quarantine, is doing exercise. I do this exercise every morning. Yeah, works for me Stay too. Fit, keep my yeah. abs, keep my immune reps. system up, so I don't have to wear a mask per pandemic. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and if you've seen the film Plandemic, that they they, they left I'm out sorry. a bunch of 
facts and yeah that's what's missing from pandemic. actual science <laughs> yeah. actual science and facts oh yeah and and the true story of how that lady got arrested for stealing a laptop and a bunch of documents from a university and not, yeah, not because, yeah. Just, you know she was she went back for her red stapler what actually yeah, yeah that's they kept, right they kept moving her they kept moving her desk like three times and then eventually they moved her desk to the basement and then they fired her they, they weren't paying her then they fired her and she went back for her red stapler oh milton yes all right well i've got one more um and it's hard for me to explain why i feel like i miss him from this story because i don't actually know what his role was but Tim Roth of Pulp Fiction fame and The Incredible Hulk. And um, I think he played, uh, didn't he play, didn't he play Vincent Van Gogh? Me and, me and Theo, I think was the name of the movie. Anywho, mm-hmm. he's a very amazing actor. Um, he was in, he was cast in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And subsequently cut. And so we have no idea what role he played. But he made the credits and there's a notation in the credits that says he was cut from the film. And I'm just sad because I love Tim Roth as an actor. And I love that his collaborations with Quentin Tarantino and that movie is really good. And I just feel like he would have added something really awesome to the film if his role had not been cut. I wonder what was the character going to be? We don't know. We should nobody knows. He, maybe I'm going to say Roth that he knows. was a... I'm going to say that Tim Roth probably played like a YouTube scientist. It's kind of my thoughts. <laughs> I'll bet he was English, whatever he was. I'll bet he was like, really, yes. really yeah, an English. And, yeah. yeah he was a whistleblower. Cool. Maybe he played Nixon. Wait, when is that movie set? No, it's uh, before like 74 or so. Oh, was it bef- before? Yeah, 69. 69. Because the murders of the NRC. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Well, who? Okay, so who could Tim Roth have played? Um... Let's think. Who's a character in the movie? Well, I mean, he's it could have been a bit something. older now, so maybe someone yeah. in the late fifties. You know, yeah, uh, he's still fit though. I mean, still yeah, formidable. Still look, look, looking good. Uh, no, I don't know. No. I don't know. Let's see. Like, I, I, he might not have been English. Uh, well, who was someone rip, famous rip at torn. the time? Rip torn, just rip torn, screw loose, like rip torn, go. going crazy, man. I could see that. You ever seen okay. that video? Uh, that that of uh, behind the scenes of a. Uh, uh, I think it's Norman Mailer and Rip Torn like fighting on a, no. a movie set, dude. I, like it's Rip Torn was freaking crazy, and it, you guys know Rip Torn. He was in like Larry Sanders Show and uh, uh, Freddie Got Fingered. Black. I know he's, he's in a bunch of awesome stuff. He was in Men in Black. Men in Black. There you go. Yeah, tons of stuff. But like young Rip Torn is was just a freaking cannonball, man. A total psycho. I'm pretty sure old Rip Torn like, was also a cannonball. He he probably was, but he had this idea. There was this scene where like he Wait, was supposed his, his character was supposed to get in a fight. I don't remember what the film was called, but like his fa- character was supposed to fight with Norman Mailer, and Rip Torn took a hammer and like hit Mailer in the head, like for in, real in real life. Yes, because he he just knew that Norman would That's understand. Shoot, like he he knew he would understand that like the shock on his face would just make that scene so much better. And he knew Norman would just want the movie yeah, that bad. Yeah, because he got hit by like, a fucking hammer. 
Yeah, he he went nuts, dude. I mean, and and it was like a kind of a indie film of, of the time that Norman Mailer was making, and like so his family was there, like his children were on set and stuff. And he's like, I mean, he's sitting there bleeding after this, and he gets they get in a fight. I mean, now Rip Torn is trying not to fight because he's trying to explain, like, no, you don't understand. I, I had to hit you with a hammer. So they they kind of get in a fight. And then Mailer's just saying, like, dude, I'm I'm bleeding all over my face. My children over there crying. They're afraid. And and Torn is just like, ooh, baby, no, listen, you gotta hear me out. Woo, woo. Like he's just like <laughs> totally weird, dude. Like on some cocaine. I don't know what he was thinking, but yeah. Uh that I happened. Mean, so uh but he got better. He got better and he made he was a real treasure, man. Rip Torn. So it, Tim Roth could have the, totally uh, done that. Wasn't he the guy in the wheelchair from um Dodgeball? Wasn't that Rip Torn? Yes, yes. What was his name? <laughs> that was great. Pappy? I don't remember. That wasn't Pappy. Nah, Something I don't like know. That. Lucky? Jimmy? Could it be. Tommy? I, I, bro, I don't Fucci? know what is. Who knows? I'm wearing a beret right now because I am fantastic. an intellectual. You've, you've changed. Uh, well, All right, well, I don't have any other ones. Do you have any other m- just actors, just the big characters? one because it's it's coming back to the movies. I think we've discussed this before, but Dune, they're making a new Dune. It's coming back again. Yeah, and uh-huh. I I hope this time that they 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 well for one leave leave something out from the film. Oh, there's something I that was in the film that we don't need. David Lynch added it. We don't need it, and that's those ew, sound weapons. Remember that the whole oh like, yeah. Ew. yeah. <laughs> those we don't need those that's not a thing that's weird and it doesn't even make sense there's a reason that real life has no weapons similar to that there's nobody's even researching it just don't need it okay but uh one thing i i, I would like to see them include is uh the uh the whole concept of paul not being the good guy the the, the, the accidental mm, messiah the right. danger of it all the 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 jihad i mean like uh th- Billions of people die in the wake of Paul Atreides' rise, and like uh, the 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 film just treated it like he's here to save the universe. He's Flash Gordon in a darker. He's Goth Flash Gordon. He's not. Kind he's not. He's no. He's not. He's like super. I mean, he's not evil, but that's the thing, man. You don't you don't have to be totally evil. evil. Like yeah, you get enough power, and you just have to be not that skilled at being perfect. And billions dead. So, that, so like, I think that that's since that was the, uh, I mean, uh, Frank Herbert had this whole. He he wanted to make a story that said messiahs should come with a warning label, and that's right. the whole purpose of Dune. Man, that should and, be, that should have been the tagline. That's what I'm saying. And the film just left it out completely. So please, this time, the point of Dune should be in the movie. That's what I'm trying to say. The moral of Dune. Please include it. Saviors come with a warning label. Yeah. Well, listen, I think the new Dune remake's in good hands, so we can at least be optimistic and hope for the best. No, I'm hoping. Oh, yeah. I'll go see it. I'm looking forward to it. It's a great cast. Yeah. I'm already Fantastic. excited. Yeah. Great director. Directed Blade Runner 2049 uh, yeah, and Arrival. Not, not too shabby. Yeah. I mean, I think you couldn't be- have it in better hands. Well, Matt, uh, lots of people missed you. And so we have a lot of questions to get to if you want to let the audience in and spend some time going through the mailbag. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Questions from Nicorette. 
Sam Blair asks, if you could hire a horror icon as a bodyguard for a day, who would it be? Okay, okay, right, yeah. So some of, some of these guys, because uh, bodyguards, like, they're, they're by you. Like, they're in the car with you and stuff, right? And uh, so, yeah, yeah so, I mean, anyone who's designed to protect you. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, some of these guys, man, I'm not too big on hygiene. Like, even, uh, oh, yeah. even Pinhead, point, yeah, man, yeah. he's got that tight leather suit on with, with like, blood and sweat in it. And st- I mean, well, it's got some, it's got some openings for, for breathability. It has some breathability, know? but you know, standing near Pinhead, you, it's not a pleasant smell. Like, it's, yeah, if he, like, in, in the car with the windows up, it's going to be difficult to even have him. So, like, even his cool chains and stuff, I'm like, nah, dude. I do think, though, maybe, like, actually, now, yeah, going down that wet road, Hell, power, fire, chains, all that. Tight mm. leather suit. I feel like Spawn might not stink, I, which is weird. I know it's ridiculous. Like he hangs out with homeless people. Like he, like not not to say anything about the homeless, but like he doesn't really. He's homeless. I mean, Spawn lives in an alley, but like yeah, I feel like the he's also got like a the, pizza. Face. Yeah, like the magic suit and like the heat and stuff. He's super cool looking. Uh, I think I think uh, yeah, man. I'd hang out with Spawn. Yeah, absolutely. Does that count as a horror movie? It's a, it's not that good of a horror sure. movie, but I'll, I'll count all it. Right. Yeah, me and Spawn um, definitely. Okay. All right. Well, I'm actually not that far off from where you're sort of landing um, logically. You know, like I looked. If you think about like the, the the you know the the horror icons that people tend to think about when you mention them, you think of like okay, let's go down the list, right? Michael Myers. Um, and and Jason, because to me, they're side one A, one B. They're slow moving, n- nigh unkillable brutes, but with mask. But uh, they're very slow moving, you know, and they don't really seem like like, you know, like if someone were to try to like throw a, a needle filled with vaccinations at me. Like, I don't know that they could move fast enough to like jump in the way and take the, take the shot for they me. They can't know? run. I mean, yeah, like, no. They, yeah. So that's an issue. You, if you, you so that's yeah. much, also not much in terms of conversation list. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which maybe is a good thing. I've, I've never um, seen Jason think, go upstairs. He, I feel like escalator stairs, certain things like oh, that. Oh yeah. He, might have issues with that. He wouldn't know what to do. No, so th- so th- so I just have to disqualify those guys because of that. And then you know, there's Freddy Krueger, who's awesome, but he's only available when you're sleeping. So like, he's like a good revenge guy. Yeah. But like, what about what happens during the daytime? You can't do much. Yeah, you're like. So that's an issue. You're like you like as you're dying, you're like you're fucking screwed tonight when you go to sleep, man. My bodyguard's gonna yeah, get you. Yeah, I'll get you back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So too you late. Know, maybe like too if late. maybe like if right before I'm about to be killed. You know, my, my would-be assassin is daydreaming. Does daydreaming count? Can he come out during daydream? Uh, no, you got you to pass out. Because, like, even the kid uh, got attacked while she was sleeping in class once. But, oh, yeah. uh, no, yeah. never seen a daydreaming so, victim. So, never seen that one. Yeah, so, see, I got to eliminate Freddy because of that. Um, I was thinking about some other mystical people, like a, like a Chucky from Child's Play or the Leprechaun from the Leprechaun. But, again, same thing with mobility. They move much faster but um, not great with heights. Right, right. You know? So as I go along the list, you know, like King Kong or Godzilla, that just doesn't make sense. Uh, So I think that I'm going to have to go with one of the most classic and iconic horror villains to be my bodyguard, and that is Satan. 
<laughs> okay. Because Wait, no, but it has really, to be... Really, who better? Has, like, we've discussed in our episode, my favorite Satan. There's Cinematic Satans are vast. Yes. Which Satan are you hanging out I'm gonna with? I'm going to go... I'm going to go with uh, the Satan from uh, Constantine. Oh, he was uh, he won the favorite Satan award in that episode, so he's he did. still agree with you. Because I feel like I could get a body. Like, first off, he wears a suit, and we all know bodyguards got to wear suits, right? So very stylish. We could go into a nice restaurant. I'd have no worries getting a table. I got my bray on and my little fancy goatee. He's got his white suit. Yeah. No issues. That's right. Dress code. Jason and yeah. Michael, dress code issues. Constantly, uh, he doesn't wear shoes, so I guess that could be. But I think that he'd come around. Oh, to that. No, no, I think no. We could there get him is on. something to that. People, oh. barefoot people are sneaky. You can't hear them coming. Oh, that's true. Very no quiet. shoe sound. Yeah, sneak right up on you, man. Sneak up on yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, plus, he's the freaking devil. Uh, so you know, my, he's got that my bodyguard kind of works for your bodyguard. They're, like maybe it's like yeah. a Blackwater kind of organization that. You, the CEO from below, we, like we said earlier. CEO from below. It all ties <laughs> back <right>. together. <laughs> well, all right. So well, those well. are our answers. Satan and Spawn. Thank you, Sam. Ramona Perez Trevino Whittington asks, if you each had to pick a movie that was most reflective of your life to date, what would it be? Hmm. Okay. I have to answer this carefully because Ramona's my wife. Uh, so <laughs> she's included in this. Uh, movie yeah. uh, because answer carefully sir this was a trick yeah she well she kind of paraphrased it to me earlier and I I didn't uh, wait does she listen to the show every once in a while but like I I didn't um, I didn't know uh, maybe not that it was like my life I thought it was just life and I was gonna talk about this film uh, uh, Fido where this boy gets a pet zombie and it's like a his dog but it's a zombie it's not a dog it's a guy but um but yeah, that would make it sound would like she'd be like, "Which one of us is the dog zombie, and which one of us is the little boy?" And then, I don't know. Okay, so uh, you should be the dog zombie. <laughs> yeah, I, well, obviously, but me. But um, uh, I, I just because uh, it was it was a good movie about people kind of living in a pandemic, a zombie one, but they're living with it, you know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I got shoot now. Um, may who? Uh, what movie? Are we? Am, am I living? Um, psh, God, that must. What's what's a boring movie that I'm living? Because um, I'm not. I mean, it's a little boring these days. <laughs> Just working from home and you know sitting around. Yeah, true. Uh, what's is there a movie about like people that don't leave their house and stuff at Grey Gardens? I suppose that those women don't leave their house. Um. And they dress. Aviator. We'll do. We'll do. We'll go with Grey Gardens because Ramona and I we we have been spending okay. a lot of time at the house, and it has led to some very fun and innovative outfits. We're getting really creative. Some of the hairstyles she's been doing have really just, I mean, dazzling looks, but also kind of hilarious because like we're trying to be funny, you know, like we're just putting together like ridiculous outfits to work from home in sure, and stuff. Yeah. But but I think we're also learning some you know, stuff. I'm going to be wearing a lot lot more denim above the waist when we come out of this. I'm, I'm oh, telling you now. Right. You're, I'm uh, telling you. The old Canadian tuxedo. That's right. That's right. So uh, yeah, let, let's go with uh, the documentary Grey Gardens about the those two screwy women from the Kennedy family or, or the Onassis family or whatever that was. That's that's us. <laughs> All right. Well, how about you? What have you got? All right. So I think I've mentioned my pick before, um, but it's going to be Last Days. 
by Gus Van Sant. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a story. It's a story that's very, very obviously based on Kurt Cobain's final days. But the whole movie up until the very end is just uh, what's the actor's name? How did I just blank on his name all of a sudden? I believe it's something like uh, Chin Manly Chin you know, Manly Banggood, something like that. Well, it's very close, but it's like uh, the whole time it's Michael Pitt who essentially is playing Kurt Cobain, just sort of walking around his house in an old bathrobe and eating cereal and lounging around. Like he does nothing and hardly speaks the entire movie. Yeah. And let's be honest, that's pretty much what most of us are doing now. So I think Last Days <coughs> is an appropriate uh, film for me to say kind of currently reflects my life. Sounds about right. Matthew Manning asks, why are theater floors so sticky? They don't taste sticky. <laughs> uh, well, I have an answer for this. What have you got? See, see, I watched a YouTube video. And the reason that theater's floors are sticky, even though they don't taste sticky, is because the Illuminati and Hollywood and Pizzagate is trying to get you to stick around the movie theaters so you spend more money and digest their Hollywood pedo propagandas. Oh. Wow. Like mind blown. Yeah, that, well, that was... They're literally, like, they're literally... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to wave my nub around. They're literally trying to stick you in place so that you... It's kind of like, you ever seen A Clockwork Orange? Of course. Great film. It's like that. Trying to brainwash us by sticking our feet to the ground. Oh my god, I have to. A Clockwork Orange. Why didn't we think of that? That that's the the one. That's the main one that they left the most important thing out. What's that, that should have been in the show. Is it? It still is in the show. It's in the show now. So we're still doing the show. <laughs> we're in the now. show. What? Uh, the the ending of A Clockwork Orange from the book. Anthony Burgess, whatever I think was the author, uh, yeah. he, his, his, his original ending, the one that was le- even left out of the book, the American release of the book didn't even have this ending. But the, the real ending, it ends with Alex, uh, go, you know, he gets out of prison, he goes back, he starts a new gang, right? He's a bit older now, he's like in his early 20s. Get, his gang's not, they're kids from the neighborhood, so they're all like six, five, sure, six yeah. year, years younger than him. Because uh, he's like 16 in the book, which that that's fine. He looks older in the film, but but yeah, all all of, all of his new gang is like they're still teenagers, and he's a young adult now. And he uh, he sees Pete, who was kind of like the the more uh, the less threatening member of the gang. He sees Pete in a, a cafe, and Pete has a wife and a baby. And um, he he's he's whoa, hey Pete, how you been, man? And he goes and he starts talking to him. And he's still talking, not Pete, no. Alex is still talking like he did five years ago. He's still, you know, he, he hasn't changed at all. Meanwhile, Pete is obviously very different. You know, he's got this like, he doesn't he doesn't speak with all the slang anymore. His wife is very beautiful and she's uh, thinks Alex is hilarious. You know, that the way he talks is like funny to her. And um, sure, yeah. so he, uh, he, he, after this interaction, he spends, you know, out there on the streets, you know, he goes back to gang life and he's doing the, the stuff that they do and he's super bored. He's so bored with it. And he starts thinking about Pete and that night that he saw him at the cafe and he's like, that's that's what I got to do. I got to like meet a woman and, and, and get married and have a kid because that would be... He's got to choose life. Yeah, choose, train spotting took the ending and did it. But yeah, he's like, I got I to go 
be an adult. Like I would be so much better than what I'm doing right now. I'm so bored because I'm I'm just acting like a kid. And that's the whole point yeah. of a clockwork orange. It's about displacement, you know, in the youth and all that, but like that's the thing. You grow out of it, man. You grow up. You change. People change. And it was something about, Some I don't us. know, something about us as Americans, I guess, or like a, a film audience. Uh, they thought we wouldn't like that ending. They thought, no, he needs to stay like the shitty punk he always was and just stay that way. And that's the good ending. That's what people like. But the, I, well, I think I, Danny Boyle proved that that's completely wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, train spotting, man. The idea that uh, that he was going to go out and you know be just like us and have his you know fucking two car garage and all that—that that was great. But like, yeah, Clockwork Orange did it first, man. And they did it really well. And not only did they leave that out of the film, they left that out of the American release of the book. That's so weird. Well, so to answer your question, Matt Matthew. Uh, the Illuminati is trying to keep you stuck to the ground so that you can get, so you can get more propaganda and and uh, Clockwork Orange, the American release, really failed to deliver the poignant message of the original novel. Yeah, just just like the American release of a Clockwork Orange, movie theaters want to, want you to stay where you are and be stuck. No, what are we doing? We're talking bad about movie theaters. We love movie theaters. What? Well, we do love movie yeah. theaters. Yeah. No, the reason why it doesn't taste like soda and candy on the ground is because uh, that stuff grabs the dirt off people's shoes and that's and, and so you matter. get the dirt layer so when you try to score some of and that free matter. candy off the ground you're getting shoe flavor instead that's and that shoes. should be obvious to you what's what's the next question matthew that should be obvious to you okay moving on to the next question adrian Witchman asks in filming a series either for tv or netflix is it filmed chronologically or is it filmed on a needed basis this is for you. I, I have it? no idea. <laughs> how does how um, is Netflix made? I don't know. So so traditionally, it, it really varies. It used to be, and it, and maybe it still is on certain network television that you shoot an episode a week, right? And the reason they're able to do that is because they're able to. They mostly shoot on sound stages. Um, nowadays, where movies are uh, far more on location than they've ever been before, usually what you'll do is you'll shoot like in blocks. So, for example, like you might shoot two episodes with one director simultaneously, and you'll 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 the scenes that you decide to shoot on any given day at any given location will cross over those two episodes in in that block. Um, so, let's say you're at a bank, right, and you've got a scene in episode one in a bank, and you got a scene in episode two in a bank. You shoot both of those scenes on the same day at the same location to minimize cost. Um, but then the next block will bring in a new director and. If you got a bank scene, you just you got to go back. So it's kind of a split. Um, we call it crossboarding, which is to say you shoot scenes in a crisscross manner, not in a linear manner, uh, and it sort of varies. But but generally speaking, we shoot in blocks, and we crossboard within those blocks, but not outside of those blocks. How about that? Well, that, I did yeah. not know that. Get some hair out of my face. Um, okay. I'm back. Yeah, you just turned into a headset and then turned back into a body. So yeah, I should I be concerned about you? Nah. All oh, right. I should be concerned about this whatever the fuck we're seeing on the YouTube channel. That's Star Wars. Yeah, something like that. Okay, next question. RJ Winberg asks, when are they planning on making a good movie again? Well, I think if you're watching us on YouTube, you're seeing a good movie right behind <laughs> yeah. us. I, I feel like lots of people are planning to make good movies. They just don't know that they're 
going to fail at that. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's address the the, uh, the elephant in the room. Right now, nobody's making movies, right, yeah, good or bad. Yeah. Um, but assuming that RJ is referring to uh, more broadly than just during this current uh, quarantine epidemic, there are lots of good movies made. You just got to look for them. And in fact, if you want to see more good movies made, if you want to see more good movies that are not just sort of, um, you know, we talked about World War Z and how there was just sort of, they took the book and they just made a crappy, well, like a subpar, you know, summer blockbuster film. You can support that with your money and you make Hollywood will make a lot of money and they'll stick you to the floor to get you to watch it. Or you could search out some, maybe some smaller films. Um, maybe they're not always in the movie theaters, but you know, if they start making some money, then Hollywood will follow suit and they'll put those movies in the theaters. I think we've got a lot of questions about, you know, film after the quarantine yeah and um i think by by just the nature of the fear of another wave of the pandemic happening films are going to get smaller and faster you know faster first off and then that necessitates them being smaller in budget and um to your point matt nobody sets out to make a bad movie not even ed wood or uh you know the trauma movies hey. Or Roger Corman. What? Everyone sets out to make legends. at least an entertaining movie. Yeah. Those guys are legends. And, you know, we we, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, Danzig's Verotica. Oh, or, yeah. Uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room. Everyone sets out to make a good movie. Just doesn't always happen sometimes for various reasons. Budget, money, scope, experience. Luck of the draw. Talent. Any number of things. Talent, yeah. Sometimes it just comes down to not talent. And you could develop talent, but sometimes you just don't have... Like, not vision. everyone can be Rob Zombie out the gate. Yeah. They gotta have vision, too. You know? I feel like a lot of filmmakers, yeah. they they have scenes in their heads, but they don't see how it all, you know, works and uh, gets a little, That's right. little messy. Um, That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. So... Uh, the good move to my answer would be the good movies are out there, and you just gotta you gotta sometimes you gotta do a little you gotta trust yourself to search them out and not just wait to be told what to watch. There, there is a rumor think, going around. Uh, speaking of mm. that of that good movies coming, uh, there's a rumor going around that that they're planning to make a Doom, another Doom movie, but this one will be a good with the Rock. Uh, no, but this one will actually be based on the video games, like. Like much more closely, maybe a TV show, maybe a movie. There's a lot of rumors, but like, the, the, apparently the most recent video game was so successful, and so that's that's somebody planning to make uh, a good movie there uh, that I'm excited about because I, I I love. And Dune. we talked about Dune, yeah, uh, D- D- Dune, yes, Dune, Dune. Dune. That's right, Dune and Doom, which sound similar sometimes when you say them fast. And uh, uh, what's his name, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. That's supposed to come out, I think, in. Um fall i guess depending on whenever we go back to real life yeah. so yes the lots of movies potentially on their way out and uh, lots of movies attempted to be good all the time keep your eyes peeled yeah coming t- coming soon to a theater near you christopher Nedick asks what is the likely impact of the virus and crisis going to be in the short term for film well, I think that uh, it's very short term. It's going to be kind of like what's been going on with TV, where we're having this like uh, 
like Parks and Recreation uh, or Parks and Rec. I don't know how you say that show, but uh, they they did an episode. Uh, Saturday Saturday Night Live has been doing episodes where it's like everybody's doing uh, things from Zoom and uh, oh, webcam yeah. stuff. Uh, like Parks and Rec, they actually like kind it. of wrote it into the plot, like it made sense. Um, I think that they're, they're, that short term, we're going to actually have like uh, there, there's probably some really creative people out there right now trying to figure out how they can make films where everybody films themselves and no one is near anybody mm. uh, and I, I think uh, that's pro- probably going to be a lot of those projects coming in the short term uh, and then and then maybe never again after that maybe <laughs> maybe that's, yeah. that's it uh, who knows it could, could be a new genre I mean it could be a new thing man like a new art art genre art house I don't know could be yeah new thing I, I've mentioned it before I just think the films they're going to the need to shoot a film fast is going to become all the more important, which means that you should be getting a lot more smaller budgeted films, lower lower financially risky films, although potentially creatively risky films. You know, like uh, you might see a rise of more million, two million, you know, sub $5 million films that get a chance that maybe otherwise wouldn't have because they can shoot in three weeks, you know, or they can shoot in two weeks. You know, Tyler Perry shoots... A whole season in like two weeks. I believe it. Like that's insane. Like I've I I've shot a film in two weeks. I've shot a film in eleven days. That's kind of like the the least amount of days I've shot a film in, and that's only ninety minutes. Yeah. So to think about a whole season of something, that's absolutely bonkers. But it can be done. I suppose miserable, just like this sleepless crunch where everybody's just like getting sick and crying and <laughs> that sounds terrible don't do that to people yeah, who work for you the, don't, the don't other, make them do that <laughs> yeah the other thing i've heard the other thing i've heard is like trying to lower the the number of hours that we're all together yeah and lengthen the time of shooting and move into the sort of quarantine like we all stay at the same hotel and we're all quarantined together and you can't leave even if you're shooting locally oh. uh, i don't see that happening because i just don't see it happening so i think I think you're just going to have a bunch of films have to shoot really fast. And, um, you know, that's kind of a bummer because the faster you shoot a film, obviously, the less everyone gets paid. Oh, right. For the most yeah, part. That's, yeah. You know, we're paid on a weekly or daily basis. So if you're only shooting for three weeks, that's less weeks of pay. But I guess maybe there'll be higher volume to make up for it. I don't that, know. It's hard to that say. sounds like more, more work, less pay. That sounds sinister to me. I don't know. That, that's what like video game developer companies do. That they just like, hey, no one gets to sleep, and uh, it's yeah, that's not good. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see that happening. I know that there's like an idea of that, but like, I think you're gonna just see, you're gonna see projects that can be made fast, take precedence. In the same way that during the writer strike, you saw the rise of uh, reality shows. Oh, you know, that's right. I think you're gonna see the rise of. Films that can be shot really, really quickly with small crews that have a very mitigated risk. Yeah, all right. So maybe you'll see a little uptick in indie, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Edward Guadalupe Stigman asks, do you prefer actual film to digital? And do you think there are nuances to each medium, much like in music recording when comparing analog to digital or tape to digital? Hmm. Uh, well, first off, what's up, Ed? That's a friend of mine. Y'all know Ed. He's a good guy. Uh, Ed, I gotta say, I probably do prefer film, man. It's I shouldn't. I shouldn't be a snob. 
like that and be like, ah, yeah. But when I see some, you know, oh, Alamo Draft House is running the master on 70 millimeter or something, I'm going to go, you know, it's, it's, uh, even though it's 8K films are out that look just as good and all that stuff now, but like, uh, there's something about that, you know, oh, it was done on film. That's amazing. And you, you got to, you want to go see it. I don't know. So yeah, I, I think shot on film, I, I probably prefer it, even though it's a very limited medium now compared to the, uh, length of takes you can make the, the, the cost is crazy compared to what you can do. So yeah, I shouldn't, but mm, I probably kind of probably still, well, no, you could do much longer takes with uh, digital than you can with film. You can yes this is true you you kind of can it depends so the way digital shoots is on compact flash cards yeah um, or hard drives and they have a yeah or hard drives Pro- so if you're shooting on hard, hard drives, drives then yes with the, the higher end stuff uh it varies cf cards tend to be of use because you can download them in, in more in real time that if you shoot on a hard drive you can shoot all day yes but then you've got to pay what's called a DIT, a digital imaging technician. If you remember when we had Justin Warren on the show, yeah. that's what he does for a living. Um, you got you'd have to pay them for hours after set, right? Versus having it done in real time. Now I don't I don't um, get that because so, in know, my computer, uh, it it mm-hmm. accesses uh, like flash hard drives like way faster than it accesses like a compact flash card. So like it seems like a good solid state hard drive would be like the thing to shoot on these days. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them do, but it's still not like you can't shoot all day. Usually you shoot like in 15-minute increments, you know, yeah. of straight filming um, before the card fills up. Because you got to remember, like, these cameras are shooting in such high resolution now, and it's raw, too. Right. It's just a lot of data. Um, is it cheap? So, yeah, yes. Can you shoot longer takes? Yeah, you probably can. Um, and to some degree, you can see it more immediately, right? Because... Uh, there's a lot of things you can do on sort of a from a DIT perspective with coloring and what have you, and the color scape is is much grander in some ways. Um, but as you, if you're watching our uh, watching us on YouTube, as you can see, my uh, my avatar has a beret on, and I am something of a film snob. And the reality of it is, even though all but literally one of the films I've ever worked on has been shot on digital and not film, I just prefer the film. The look, there's a there's a, a graininess yeah. and a and a texture, and you know a very famous director of photography, Roger Deakins, wants to ask like, you, you can keep increasing the the amount of data that's stored on uh you know for, uh, through the lens, but there's only so many colorscapes that I can see. Only- okay. There you go. All right, I'm back. So, anyways. Yep. And apparently, big screen. We love I mean, you. This but is a beta version. Bugs. Of the it's logging me out. It's not, it's not ready yet. It's not ready. No, it is. Eh. It's not. It's not finished. I suppose. But like I said. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Like the excuse. The Illuminati. So as I was saying before, got kicked out of the room. As you can tell by the bray on my head, I'm a film snob, and I just, frankly, I just prefer. I just prefer the way film looks. There it is. Ed, uh, it, it, punk still sounds better on vinyl. I guess is one way to put it, yeah. Ruddy Anthony Salazar asks, I heard that Plandemic, the YouTube conspiracy video, has now tested positive for COVID-19. Can you confirm this information? Yeah. <laughs> uh. I can, in fact, uh, confirm that Plandemic not only convict, uh, contracted COVID-19, but also herpes. Because the same logic that that seems to apply to masks must mean that people don't use condoms when they have sex. 
And therefore, I imagine that Plandemic not only has COVID-19, but by its own logic, it also has herpes. I don't know if it, if it caught it, but that damn video is just as fucking contagious as the actual virus. It's spreading all over the place and everything. Uh, yeah, and annoying everybody. Mario Davila asks, did Netflix create the coronavirus to shut down movie theaters after the major studios campaigned against them at the Oscars? Please confirm this conspiracy theory. <laughs> I mean, it- <laughs> I told you my wife put a puppy in the room with me. And so he's he's uh, he's he's part of the show now. So, <laughs> But uh, to answer your question, Mario. Listen, it's as credible a conspiracy theory as any other conspiracy theory. In fact, it's arguably way more credible because at least motive makes sense. <laughs> All right. Next question. Let's get out of here before this dog bites my All foot. All right. Next question. All right. Taryn Conant asks, what is the first horror movie you would show your kid? Hmm. Well, Monster Squad. I think that counts, and that's a good kids horror movie. Oh, that's a great yeah, one. 80s film called Monster Squad about a group of kids that fight all the traditional movie monsters, uh, Frankenstein, Mummy, Dracula, all of them. Yeah. Werewolf, Wolfman. And man. we found out Wolfman. that the werewolf, yeah, Wolfman, Wolfman has, has Nards. Nards. We found out what Nards were. That, that was not a word that, at least Corpus Christi, South Texas, didn't have that word yet until that movie came down to us. Yeah. No, but we Talks did after the word that. Nards, and uh, ha- we had a lot of laughs. Uh, I still use that. I still use that term in the bedroom. Um, so I'm going to steal an answer because it's so good. Our friend and of the show, Lance W. Lanfear answered with little monsters, which is also a very uh, good film to introduce them. To. Howie Mandel, Howie Mandel of the, uh, Fred, Fred Savage, Savage Ben yes. Savage. I think it was Fred Savage. I don't know. Well, Fred, Fred Savage was the main actor, but his little brother is played by his little brother, Ben Savage. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Excellent. So anything with monsters in the title and also probably a clockwork orange, uh, maybe Antichrist, <laughs> maybe uh, I spit on your grave. Oh, yeah. Any one of those would be perfectly appropriate for a newborn. Martyrs. Yeah. Ha- ca- cannibal Holocaust. Well. And there you go. I hear silence on your end, but I think that all that means is it's just time to put yeah. a put a wrap on it. Yeah, that, Wrap it up. that means that I need to get out of ER right now because he's found something to tear up. So uh, <laughs> I got to go. But look, there's wrestling on a boat. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode of uh, Grindhouse Podcast. It's good to be back. Thank you to everyone who asked us questions. We hope that we have enlightened you, confused you, tantalized you, sexualized you, emotionalized you. I'm Matt. This Thanks, is guys. Dave. The knocking sound is my VR headset hitting the microphone. And, uh, and have a good day. We are out. Wear a mask. God damn it. Wash your hands. Adios. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Flandemic Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and now on YouTube.